Hello and welcome everybody back to another episode of Eyes on the Mize. My name is John. I'm joined by Ian. How are you doing, Ian? Uh, not too much. Just trying to stay cool. It's it's quote unquote warm. <laughs> it was 93 <laughs> degrees outside, and I walked around for an hour on my Pokemon Go app. So you could you're complaining to the wrong person. I don't know. I was actually working outside all afternoon. Uh, oh. Working on one of our systems, <laughs> but at work. But oh, uh, wonderful. no, and by by warm, I mean it's like eighty five out. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> I said Anyways. warm, but it's warm by Pacific Northwest standards. Anyways, it is July twenty seventh. We are on episode twenty two. A rough draft on drafts. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about draft formats because limited is a really fun. Uh, style of play that you don't see a lot, and most booster draft gets the big amount of the press time, but we wanted to talk about some other draft formats as well, so that you can uh, whet your appetite on a few others. But first, let's turn our eyes to the community, because this upcoming weekend is Grand Prix Sydney. Which um, is limited. Which is limited. It's Elders Moon Sealed. This is the first time we're going to see Elders Moon Sealed played on the big stages. Totally and then the next weekend, planet. and the next weekend is the Pro Tour. Mm-hmm. Now, there was some big news coming out of the pros, the pro circuit regarding the Pro Tour. Ian, what, what was that? Well, they announced some new – I'm not even going to get into the whole convolutedness because we don't even know how it's going to work yet. But uh, one of the – so we're going to touch back on some other previous Pro Tours. One of the biggest quote-unquote issues that's been faced at Pro Tours is uh, scouting. Now, what that means is you know people obviously test on teams and um, – what will end up happening is if somebody plays somebody or plays near somebody, they can go tell everyone on the team, hey, this person is on this deck, which means you can potentially expect to face this deck if you play somebody from that testing team. Uh, that kind of scouting, it was basically almost encouraged, but not. People like hated it, but at the same time, to get the competitive advantage that you know, other people were going to take anyway, you really kind of had to scout your opponents. Um, so what they're doing is they're implementing some random seating uh, kind of thing basically you won't get your pairing until like you sit down so you won't know like what you're going have going in and if you're at a top table at a feature table you basically are like you like eight people you're going to the feature match area and then when you get to the feature match area you get your table assignments literally when you go to sit down for your matches yeah basically instead of if you go to fnm and they, you go look at the sheet that has all the table numbers and you look at your name Instead of seeing your name, you look over to the right and you see your opponent's name, you will just see your name, table two, or your name, table three. So that's that's the big change there. The, so, the, no, go ahead. Oh, no, you can go. Well, the other big change was one that has the pros a little bit more kind of, well, some pros a little bit more agitated. <laughs> like, more like probably annoyed is the best word, which is that instead of having to turn in their, in, turn in their deck lists for standard the Friday morning of the Pro Tour, instead... They have to turn it in the night before online at nine p- by nine p.m. local time, which is Sydney time. So which nine is, p.m. local time, yeah. But ev- but everyone's just like, this stinks. It's like, but that just goes to show it's like people are literally going into a pro tour, deciding on the deck the night of and yeah. the morning of, which is people have said, yeah, I just I was between this deck or this deck, and this this morning decided to flip a coin, basically go with this deck. But everyone's like, oh, it's like, like I know someone mentioned something about like still looking for cards and i'm thinking if you're still looking for cards at a pro tour and you're scrounging around like the morning of and you're like i need this x card it's like kind of could tip people off it's like hey do you have copies of this card do you have copies of a ration cleric it's like hmm somebody's got some anti-burn tech yeah it's maybe it's not it's not the biggest issue to hit the pro tour in the last year or so it's just one that people are just kind of maybe a little a little agitated about i just think it's funny that like if this is all the that people are going to get out at the beginning of this pro tour, then it's like I think things are going okay. <laughs> well, we'll find out after the pro tour actually goes on because somebody's going. There's going to be something they're going to complain about. But oh no, 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 oh, no, no! But I mean, like the the pre going into it, thing. yeah, because yeah, yeah. like because like last pro tour we had the whole sleeved and unsleeved uh, dual face oh, card. Oh right, that whole this thing. Is, that's what I'm saying. This is like, oh god, I have to turn in my deck list like t- twelve hours earlier. Ooh. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, basically. But let's go to turning to a little bit more happier news. Um, at the end of every month, they do a recap of the upcoming FNM promos, and then they announce the FNM promo three months away. So they can kind of get you hype for what the new promo is going to be. And also be like, hmm, do I want to go to FNM this month? Yeah, for example, uh, the August FNM promo is Crumbling Vestige, which has not seen standard play yet. So it's a curious choice for a promo. 
But your keyword there was yet. Yet, because um, the F and M promo for October is one that Nina and I's chat I said was chosen for Halloween equity is Rise from the Tides. Now, why are we talking about Rise from the Tides? Well, it's not because it's a great standard card, even though it is being played in standard. It's because the wording was different on it. Yeah. So, it, all right. So, so Rise from the Tides okay. in okay. Shadows says you put a number of two two black zombie creature tokens it's, it's, into it's, play tapped. It's, it's, all right, the wording on it says put a put a two two black zombie creature token onto the battlefield tapped for each instant and sorcery card in your graveyard. So they kind of revealed in the article, and everyone's like, "Wait a second, you changed the templating." So now, basically, because Kaladesh will be out by October, uh, Aaron Forsyth said, oops, guess we showed off this new templating before because it's related to something in Kaladesh. And everyone's like, oh, my God, it's regarding the mechanic that Mark Rosewaters wanted to implement for forever. No, it's not. No, I know. I was just saying what people were saying. Yeah, yeah. I know know Mark Mark commented on the whole thing. But anyway, it now reads, create a tapped 2-2 two, two black zombie creature token for each instant and sorcery card in your graveyard. So what this a does lot, is it takes a lot less words. Takes a lot less words out. Um, it also rejiggers some of the order. For example, in the Shadows version, it says you put a zombie token into play tapped. Whereas this says create a tapped token. So the word create is going to always pop up whenever you are putting tokens into play. Um, it doesn't. Nec- it's not going to change much else outside of that. So, for example, investigate would then read create whenever a creature investigates, create a clue. Yeah, because basically it's getting rid of the words put a onto the battlefield. Exactly. So, so put a blank onto the battlefield. Exactly. Um, Which I think it's it's actually it reads cleaner. It does read really cleaner, and it's really kind of easy just to go. Oh, I know exactly what this is. What this means. Um, it and as some people have also noted, it gets really close to uh, assemble. Well, which is another, what, which is what, which is what creates contraptions. Even though it's been confirmed, contraptions are not coming back in Kaladesh. Well, right, but um, the, I, I just like to create wording on it because it's people. It's almost something like we've been using. Anyway, it's like okay, I'm just going to make or yeah. you know, make is a synonym of create. So I'm just going to make a token. Yeah. Instead, you're not like oh, I'm going to put a token on that. If it's like oh, I make a token. Yeah. So it, it's kind of a nice little way to clean it up, and I like it. It's a nifty little word, and it, and it does grok really, really, really well. Like, what does it mean when a creature dies? Well, it goes from the graveyard to the battlefield. You know, what happens? You know, and so on and so forth. Um, I know that some people yeah, really want, the graveyard. I know that some people really want to uh, template enter the battlefield as arrives, but I don't think that'll work. Enter the battlefield is because then we lose ETB. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, moving on from wording to we had an SCG open this past weekend. Uh, as we do every this. week, as we do almost every weekend, and there is some spicy stuff to come out of the open. For example, uh, Blue White Spirits does appear to be a real deck um, in standard. Soltai Control, Soltai Control, around. Delirium Control. Yeah, because Ishkana, the Graph Widow, the Legendary Spider, turns out is really good against a deck with only flyers in it that are really tiny. I mean, she's not bad. She, nope, she's definitely not bad. But <laughs> well, go ahead. I don't know. I'm saying, especially like since the deck is gearing itself towards like dumping cards in your graveyard. Yep, so. exactly. <laughs> hey, anyway. finally a deck for my for my pet card, which was um, Traverse Uvenwald. Anyways, yeah. but uh, the top six, sixteen of the top thirty-two decks were Band Company. Woo! <laughs> to no one's surprise, really, because hey. it got one of the best cards out of the entire set in in Spellqueller. Oh well, duh, and or hello. Yes, the cards actually. You know, you know me and my pricing. It's yeah. actually been ticking up, 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 up. It's yep. now a fourteen-ish dollar card, yep. which is nice. Um, anyway, I'm glad I got my copies at eight. I managed to pick up a foil one for my cube. Ooh, they're now twenty-two dollars. I know, right? Ah, sick. Anyway, um, but no, the funny, the fun part is, is that these aren't all the same band company deck. Oh, uh, are there are there subtle variations? Yeah, I mean, depending on. <laughs> I think it's it's, it's mostly. All right, so some of the, the some of the quote unquote subtle variations are the one that one played four Thalia Heretic Cathar in the main board. Mm, that does seem a little odd. It seems a little much, personally. I mean, if you want to if you want to make sure you talking. hit Thalia, then yeah, that works. Um, also, some are not playing Archangel Avacyn in the main. Yeah. Um, some like some don't even have her. Yeah. 
there. Some have Jace in the main and some Nissa. Yeah. It's it's basically what we talked about when we talked about Band Company like a little while ago, where you've got your basic pieces. Your Duskwatch Recruit, your Sylvan Advocate, Bounding Crisis, crisis however you want to say it, has made a return. It's back in a lot of these decks. Yeah. Um, it, untap, it untaps your creatures from Thalia. Correct. Oh, yeah, but Thalia is your opponent. Your opponent's control. Yeah, no, well, in, in the company mirror, they have oh, a Thalia oh, in play. Oh, no, no, okay, no, yeah, I got what you're saying, yeah. Makes yeah, sense. You, you untap your creatures from, from Thalia. No, not, no, yeah, not that you but, care anyways, because you're doing it at instant speed, but, you know. Whatever. But, yeah, <laughs> the fact that Spellcaller is, like, a three or four of in these decks is insane. Also, yeah. a fun card that's seeing some four ofs in these decks is Selfless Spirit. Ooh, the, uh, yep. the the one in a white, two one fire spirit cleric that when you sacrifice it, creatures you control gain indestructible until end of turn. Yep, that card's it's, good. It's the Avacyn claws on a stick. Yep. It's a very, it's a really strong card. Um and I know it's these play in the spirit. You, you can if they're going for something like kind of damage wipe, you can just I mean this just makes I mean the only card it doesn't blank is Languish. Well right, but this actually It blanks makes, everything else though. It's Radiant Flames look stupid. It does, it does. Yeah. But, but but yeah, like I said, there's like you know you've got your basic things, and it's got to that. I mean, Tamio was seeing some playing some of these decks as a yeah. one or two of. I'm like, yeah, get in there, Tamio. I don't know if she's great or not. Some people have said, yeah, she's good. There are also yeah. Bant Humans decks are up there yeah. too. I think there's but also yeah. a Bant Spirits deck that only played Collected Company for the green. So, uh, yeah, that's one thing I was kind of looking at at some yeah. point. But I don't we'll know. If, I don't know how good it is, but I'll let that. I'll leave that to the Kevin, standard professional. Yeah, Kevin. Kevin Jones played it at thirty fifth place. Yep. It was. It's literally green for Tamio and Collected Company, yeah. with Aerial Volley, uh, for I guess the Spirit Mirror, which is a six cyborg tech. For those Ooh, who don't remember, is, yeah, because it's, it's a common all the way back from Origins. You might have forgotten about this card. Yep. It's instant for green. It says, Aerial Volley deals three damage divided as you choose among one, two, or three target creatures with flying. A.K.A. it's a flying bolt. It's a green lightning bolt. Kind of. <laughs> it's, it's a green lightning bolt for flyers, and when you're playing spirit mirrors where they're playing a lot of X1s and X2s, you can probably take out two or three creatures. Yeah. Make sure you, make sure they don't have their Gideon's emblems out because they're gonna make your they're gonna make you have a bad day. Uh, that one actually doesn't play. That band spirit deck didn't play. Uh, I think there's a version I was watching because I watched it a little well, bit. No, no, of it. the one the one I'm, yeah. the one I'm looking at that place 35th doesn't have one yeah. of those. But uh, yeah, there it's was, touching, there, it's I know there was a version that has like two Gideons in the sideboard. Yeah, but it's, it's one weird. of those things where, um, yeah, like you're gonna have to start digging through some of your old draft chaff and see if you've got some of these cards around yeah. for some new six sideboard tech against these decks. But it looks pretty cool. Um, we're kind of like rolling into what I was, I was talking to John a little bit earlier. Um, I'm still looking at tweaking my deck for GP Portland, which is in about 16 days from now. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, I know I still haven't finalized my deck yet but i'm waiting for after the pro tour to be perfectly honest with you plus we've got another um like we said we there's gp sydney this weekend but there's also going to be another scg standard event um so you always get two scg standard events before the pro tour so you get three lovely weekends of standard before the first actual standard gp uh -huh. um, that's why i'm just going to look at the results figure out what it is like i said i'm probably on a company deck at this point it just depends on what version i'm going to be yeah. playing and by the way, oh. I've, I've I've broken how to make sure that Spell Queller is a dud against your deck. <laughs> I know. Play nothing but five drops. Five I'm going to call it the LLR special. Anyways, <laughs> that is for like eight of you. Moving on, uh, there's another little thing that this I missed this poll earlier, but for those of you who don't know, Lee Sharp is a is one of the members of Wizards who works on the who works on Magic Online. Um, he does a lot of the events and the he, he does a lot of the stuff like he's, he's the digital product manager for yeah Magic yeah he doesn't do much of the i don't think he does a lot of the coding but he does like ha, what do people no, want to play yeah he's kind of like the i guess you call the face like it used to be like oh everyone blame worth but it's actually kind of lee who's kind of helped direct the path that some of these product like the products go um in terms of the events and all that kind of stuff so but yeah he had a poll today um asking a about the um, oh, what was it? Uh, the, are it you was, the single yeah, it was the six six. Yeah, single elimination six six. Um, basically, so you, what used to be an eight four, or what is an eight four? I should say. Uh, people are like, hey. Well, real quick, what do we mean by an eight four? An eight four is a draft where you draft with seven other people. It's single elimination, so if you lose, you're done. Uh, you don't get anything unless you're in the finals. If you win, if you get first place, you get eight packs. If you lose, you get four packs. Now the six six would be what Ian? 
This was actually yesterday for the poll. But anyway, oh. a so we're saying the six six. Yeah. Okay, so the six six is auto split, <laughs> meaning it's like if you're at an F and M draft or a, an event and you kind of go to your opponent and like, hey, I don't want to play this last round. You mind just splitting packs and you like you kind of handshake the win. Somebody gets a win, somebody gets a loss, and then you go up together and you just say, hey, cool, let's shake on it kind of thing. So if somebody get a win, they'll get like the Planeswalker points and they'll give you the packs for this and then somebody gets the packs for second place and then you go through and you're like, okay, I would have won eight, you would have won four, here's two packs. Or I usually just fan them out and be like, here, pick two. Um, so usually that's how it goes. And this would have, people are like, why would we do this? It's just creating, I want to play. Yeah. But it basically would mean it would become a two round draft instead of a three round draft. And people are like, why can't you just implement this and, or implement the split button? And it's like, trust me, it would be the optimal thing. But they've like, he actually said it would be the hardest to implement. So it's like the preferred option, but hardest to do, which, yeah. Like, there's a lot of things that have to go into a split. Not only does, is it, like, let's say Ian and I make the finals of a draft, and Ian says he wants to split, or yes, if I want to split, and I say, no, I want to play, then we got to play. Yeah, so what people were suggesting is, like, when you start the match, before you even do the die roll and would you like to go first kind of thing like that, it would have a pop-up box right in the middle, smack dabs, you can't miss it, saying, would you like to split this event? You don't even know if your opponent wants to split. You wouldn't even have like the option to chat with them. You can just click split, yes or no. If you click yes and your opponent clicks yes, then you auto basically, you know, pop the match out. It goes pack pack. Here you go, boom. Uh, go there are that. issues. There are issues with that in who gets the qualifier point, which is an online thing for like select events. Um, which would be kind of weird to implement. So you might actually be like, if you choose split, get a qualifier point, or if you choose split, you lose the shot at a qualifier point. So some yeah. people, like, that could be a way potentially to implement it where if you choose split, you get the packs, but no QP, which is qualifier point. So basically it's like, do you want the qualifier points or no, or do you just want the packs? Yeah. On. So there's ways to do it. Um, frankly, I'm in favor of somehow implementing a split button, but frankly, I don't play enough 8-4s to really... Justify, yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't really care about it too much, but um, I do watch a lot of draft like streamers who play eight fours because they're better than me, and it's one of those things that I joked around. It's like someone's like, "But what if I like playing eight fours and streaming them?" I'm like, "Join another draft, but no, don't implement this." Yeah. <laughs> so. Anyways, speaking of drafts, let's go ahead and get into our main topic uh, because we want to talk about different style of draft formats. And real quick, let's go ahead and recap what a booster draft is. Because Eldritch Moon is coming is out now, you can draft it. Uh, the Magic Online pre-release for Eldritch Moon is this weekend, so drafts are going to be firing on Magic Online like crazy. Uh, but for those of you who aren't familiar with the draft, you're going to sit down with somewhere be- between six and probably ten people if you have, you know, if you have fewer than eight. Eight being the optimal number. You'll get three booster packs, and then you'll take turns opening. You open your booster pack, take the best card out of it, then you're going to pass the pack on to someone else, pick up another pack, and do the same until that pack runs out, and you'll repeat the process with those other two packs, uh, passing to the left, then to the right, then back to the left. Yeah. So that's just your standard, regular, quote, quote, booster draft kind of thing like that. Yeah, this is not taking necessarily into account stuff like Conspiracy, which can change things up a lot. Um... And also remember that with small sets, like with Eldritch Moon, you're going to be drafting the Eldritch Moon pack, an Eldritch Moon pack, and then the Shadows over Innistrad pack last. And we say kind of like standard drafting thing because back in the day, before what we know, like we just call regular booster draft, there was another one that was actually more popular. Oh, that was a Rochester draft. Correct. Now, for for those, like we're just going to, I'm just going to say what it was and then we'll just, you know, put that, file that away for history's sake so rochester draft it used to be one booster pack would be open at a time for the table just one pack booster 15 the cards be laid out on the table and everyone's given about 20 seconds to look at the, the at the thing and then you go around in order picking a card from that pack everything's face up all the knowledge is available yeah it's, so it's uh, not it's like snakes, so it's not, doesn't it yeah well, it's it's, no, i think it's a snake draft no no, no, no. it it's it just all turns pick Everyone picks around, it goes around, and then the next person opens their pack, lays it out, and all that kind of thing like that. Well, so you you get all the information. Oh yeah, and the reason it why takes people a lot longer to dra- it takes a lot longer to draft, which is the yeah. main people play reason why how we do booster pack 
drafts nowadays are more popular. The other thing with that, and Mark Rosewater said this a lot when talking about Rochester draft, is that in Rochester draft, you make a mistake, everyone knows about it. Whereas in booster draft, you make a mistake, the only person who really knows is yourself. And you can recover easy. And you can recover easier, and you don't have the shame of knowing that everybody at the table knows you made a mistake. And let's say that this was streamed, like the Pro Tours usually are, then everybody at home also realizes that you made a mistake. Yeah. And that's just not great. Now, another style of draft, which is not one that happens too much, but there's a few times that you'll see here this come up, and it's called a rotisserie draft. Uh, now, you've probably heard this most recently as either the vintage rotisserie draft or the modern rotisserie draft. Now, the modern rotisserie draft happened recently, and I've done one of these, is in, a, in, a modern, in the modern rotisserie draft, you and seven other people, so eight people, sit down, and instead of picking cards out of packs you look at the format you're drafting in. So we're doing a modern rotisserie draft. So out of all the cards legal and modern, you get to pick one card. And you get to go down the line, and the draft does what's called a snake. So if you've heard of fantasy football, a snake draft is, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and then eight gets another pick, then seven, seven six. six, five, four, three, two, one, because it looks like a snake. Yep. So basically what it does is it doesn't necessarily punish you for being eighth pick, because then you can literally just go, because you can, you can, like, it's, it's almost, almost advantageous to yeah. be, like, eighth pick. Because you can be, like, you've picked this archetype, you guys have, like, you've seen the seven archetypes everybody's picked in front of you. And then you can go, bam, bam, I'm picking these two cards, eat it, yep. pass it on. Uh, I was fourth pick in my rotisserie draft, and I think my first pick was Lightning Bolt because it wasn't taken yet, which was astonishing I, to me. And I, I dropped honestly, it a Mono Red deck. I honestly think like fourth and fifth are probably optimal seats for that kind of draft. Yeah, they really are. Because um, you're not you're not at the far extreme ends of the table. You're only seeing like four picks or five picks between you and your next pick, as opposed to like say if you're first like I mean I say eighth is optimal to establish yourself, but then it's like you pick your eighth card, you pick your second card, which is the ninth card of the draft, and you don't pick again until like all the way in the twentieth card. Uh, you would get the eighth, the, the ninth, and then you would get the twenty. You get the eighteenth, yeah. Yeah, so it's, you're like, or no, you would get the twenty fourth. Yeah, so you're seeing a lot of cards go. So you better be like, you pray to God, you, you stake your claim, and you hope nobody set trods on your territory because those people who pick those other people who pick that archetype in front of you, they then get a chance to grow grab two extra cards that could screw you over out of yours. And yeah. Be like, oh look, you picked the white card. And then someone goes like red and blue as this eighth pick, and then someone's like, "I'm gonna pick this blue card." Yeah. Um, how how you do in the rotisserie draft is really up to you. Um, what kind of archetype you like playing? Uh, what you think you can stake a claim out of? So something like you know a regular kind of controlish type deck is obviously gonna have a lot of popular pieces shared amongst it. So you might not be able to draft an optimal, say, burn deck or. Yeah an optimal control deck because this is all these are also all singleton these are not multiple so like if you get a lightning bolt you get one lightning bolt in your deck yeah and that is um all public knowledge too so everyone sees what you're doing and the best part was is so when they did this it was like a bunch of guys i know marshall was in marshall bdm um uh, Rashad. Rashad, yeah. <laughs> Rashad went the mill plan. That was oh, so Oh, that was so funny. First pick, glimpse the unthinkable, and it's like, what? <laughs> yeah, because uh, you're, you're drafting, all, in this case, you're drafting all of modern, and there's some people, I think it's uh, the Shotgun Lotus crew out in Seattle, they do a vintage rotisserie draft. Um, yes. And then they and they play it all out in paper, too. So they like you do the draft, and you go up to the guy, and you go, hey, here's my deck list, and they hand you the cards, and you play in paper. Um, but what it's the interesting thing is that, you know, you have these, all these archetypes that are available to you. Like if you look at the whole card pool of magic in the case for vintage or in the entire modern card pool, you know, there's some decks that you want to think of. Like if you play modern, you know, you've probably thought of Splinter Twin before. Well, Splinter Twin's banned now, so that's not going to be a legal card, but how do you play Splinter Twin in the rotisserie, in a rotisserie draft where you're only getting one of each card? Because the real power of that twin deck was the fact that it had four Pestermites, four Deceiver Exarchs, and four Splinter Twins, and then some number of Kikijikis if they wanted it. Now that it's Singleton, you have to work, you have to do it differently. And BDM, he drafted a white-red Splinter, Splinter Twin deck because white in modern in modern Magic has a lot of enchantment tutors, has idyllic tutor, which lets you just grab an enchantment from your deck and put it into your hand. Um, 
and then now there's even open the armory, which would have made it even better, where it's one of the white, grab an ore or equipment from your library, put it in your hand. Yeah. Um, and also, white has other creatures that untap stuff, like Vill- um, Village um, Bellringer. Village Bellringer and Midnight Guard. And um, also uh, Zealous Conscripts. Zealous Conscripts, and then there's also Restoration Angel, which combos with Kikijiki. And it's just one of those really interesting you know, choices where you look at a deck and like, Ian, you like Infect. How would you draft Infect in a rotisserie draft? First pick, slam and five slam and jamma. Uh, what's his? Actually, I don't even know if I would go. Uh, what's it? Uh, Blinded uh, agent versus glistener elf. Yeah, I think I would go first pick. If I were to try and go infect, I think I would go glistener elf. Reason being is now here, here's the thing about if you were doing a rotisserie draft and want to do infect, not a lot of people are going to want the creature pumps. You're going to have to. You better have a darn good knowledge of the modern pump. Uh, library because the modern infect deck runs a lot of four ofs of the pumps you're going to need you're only going to get one mitable crosser you're only going to get one mutagenic growth and somebody else might take that mutagenic growth because phyrexian mana yeah um you're basically going to want crappy stuff like giant uh, growth giant growth growth. yeah you're obviously probably going to get um what's it called become immense but what i was saying is i would probably go with glistener elf here is because if you go blended agent you're basically pigeonholing yourself into blue and I don't know if you would necessarily want to be blue in this because green-black infect is also a thing. Mm-hmm. And there's also a lot of, like, artifact infect, like... Uh, Ichor-Klamir. Um, yeah, there's uh, the... the Ink Moth would be a high pick. Oh, yeah. Ink Moth would probably be, like, a second pick. Yeah. Um, but Ichor-Klamir... Uh, oh, there's the other one. There's a Corpse Cur, I think it is. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a four mana. Then there's uh, Plague Stinger is one of the black ones. Yeah, Plague Stinger, uh, Frex, uh, the uh, Frexing Crusader. Crusader. Yeah. yeah, so I would prop if I was going to do a rotisserie draft and try to do infect like you do, I would probably prefer the green black variant just yeah. because you can also touch into black for creature kill. And if somebody hasn't picked Liliana for some stupid reason, yeah, you get take in the Lily. deck. Yeah, it's, it's this is one of those weird formats where there's a lot of you. Um, he says, or he does, she does, I do, and do a bunch of that because it's really it's because it's all open information. You know what everybody's doing, and so you can kind of get get some tells. But it's, like, it, it's really it's really cool. Like, to you have to meta game a draft. Yeah, which is really hard. It's really hard to do. And and also keep in mind these drafts are not something you do like you you basically if you get a group of your eight friends together and you want to do it and say somebody has the card pool available to do this. You can then just be like, okay, cool. Here's how many rounds it's gonna. Here's how many rounds of drafting it's gonna be. You're obviously gonna need like maybe thirty plus rounds. So you can have some cyborg cards um, available to you. Because you also have to pick the non-basic lands. Correct. Yeah, that's another thing too. Is it's huge. Is when the metagame is like, when do you take, or even do you decide to try and take some fetch lands? Do you decide to take the shocks? Duels and other things. I will say that when I drafted the mono red deck, I fifth and sixth picked fetch lands, just so that I could have them for landfall purposes and and deck thinning purposes. Because in in that deck, it is very relevant. Yeah, yeah. So it's one of those things where it's you you really have to pick your spots, and it makes it really cool. But like I said, you don't have you don't have a lot of like you need to basically plan some time for this. And have a good way to get in touch with these people. May, please, if you ever decide to do this with your friends, do not pick that guy who you can call once on Sundays when the moon is full and if the tide is low. Yeah. <laughs> Which is weird. You know, full moon, low tide is really weird. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's one of those things you want to be able to like, because one thing you would see is you would see just a random tweet like from Marshall pinging BDM like your turn. Or I don't know if that was a proper pick order, but you'd see like, one of the people pinging like on Twitter, it's like you're up. So hey, 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 guess what? Guess what? You're up. It's and then you see things. somebody say, "Hey, did you see the pick this guy made?" Yeah. So you also you you want to try and make sure that you can draft a deck that you know somebody else won't go in, which is like it's kind of weird, but like that modern draft, like Infect is probably not a terrible choice. I mean, I mean the thing need- is that you look at you think about the decks that are in modern, and a lot of them re- rely on like heavy four drops. Like the Affinity deck is almost entirely four ofs. Yeah. But you need, but that's one thing you'd have to do is you would have to know the card base of Infect and just basically judge like, okay, are there X enough creatures that I can make this work? Also, that makes 
Noble Hierarch's still a decent pick. Even if you're green black, pick yep. Noble Hierarch. It's a mana dork. You yeah. can pick other mana dorks too. You can pick some value creatures. Like you could even go like one of the Bayloths just because why not yeah. have a big booty in there or Thrun the Last Troll to be annoying. Yeah. To be like super annoying. It's like, hey, you're already dealing with Infect. Now deal with this guy who can't be removed without like backflipping. Yeah, basically. It's just it's just really interesting because it makes it makes a lot of the decks like if, especially for the modern version where it's like I want to play this deck but it doesn't work without all these four ofs and you gotta you gotta expand your horizons kind of in a similar way that Canadian Highlander does yeah. or if you want to play Highlander. Speaking of Highlander gents, they actually did a I think a vintage rotisserie draft <laughs> on a Twitch stream. Yeah, yeah. Um, the just, just just past week they basically streamed themselves with the spreadsheet open yeah. and had some guys commenting on it and people were live picking their drafts. I know so that Brian they, Wong, um, he did some, he did commentary on one, on a, on a vintage rotisserie draft. Yeah. They're really cool. And it's kind of cool to see how they flow and operate. And if you know some of the people and you know, their tendencies, it's like, okay, yeah, we know this guy's going to try and hedge into this one. So when Rashad picked that, like, was like, I'm going mill. It's like, well, you know, he's going to get glimpse unthinkable. He's going to yeah. get, all the, the the trap card, Hedron uh, Crab. Yeah, Hedron Crab is a high pick for him at that point. Yeah, um, anything just... that could get multiple lands in the play. Yeah, for Hedron Crab abuse. Um, it's just one of those like you look at it, you're like all right, all right, cool. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Th- to be fair, Rashad did not win that draft. <laughs> yeah, no, but there's all, I, like you mentioned, there's paper ones too. Like you can kind of do this somewhat in paper. And actually, Loading Ready Run did that like video of the, uh, I think it was just standard rotisserie. Where they basically oh, were they did the video. Yeah, they did the video of like it was one of every card in standard. No, no, um, it, was, it was the cons block popper rotisserie or something like that. Yeah, it was, no, it was the cons cons rotisserie because they had like one of every card or something like that. Yeah, and you go through and you pick all the cards and like you lay them out on this table. When I was at GP Minneapolis, some of the guys um, I know Mike Worthos Mike was one of the guys who was help, helping out. The I know the guys booze the guys behind the booze cube were doing it too, and some other. Of the fine folks I got to hang out with that weekend, we're doing. They had a paper rotisserie draft, and they took up like those tables you see the GP. They had entire areas sectioned off, cordoned off specifically for them and friends of theirs who were doing this. And it was like four table, like three four tables long. I remember seeing pictures of that. That was silly. It's just cards stretched out, literally touching each other across three to four tables of this rotisserie draft. So you kind of had to like go hunt and peck down these cards. Yeah. And then you'd be like, I'm picking this card. I, I was busy doing some other events when they were doing the drafts. I missed the beginning of it, but it, it looked hilarious and so much fun. And it's one of those things like, oh man, it's it's something if you get a chance to do, I recommend trying it or at least next time it becomes a popular thing on online, checking it out. Yeah. They actually streamed, like they were just like doing this like as like a thought experiment, like the one that we mentioned with Marshall and BDM and all those guys. Yeah. A thought experiment, and then we're kind of leaked out, and then everyone's like, "Can we see the spreadsheet for this?" And everyone's like, "Yeah, sure, why not?" And then they're like, "Can you guys stream this?" I think they were actually—I think they were actually planning on streaming it anyways. But anyways, but it was just kind of rolled on, but it was fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It's a cool little thing. It takes a while, um, but yeah. And then so, let's talk about cube drafts because yeah. um, on Magic Online there are two there are two different cubes that see a lot of play. In the sense that Wizards decides to bring them out every so often. That's the Vintage Cube and the Legacy Cube. Um, real quick, I want to talk, do a brief aside on a cube that they tried out last year that a lot of people didn't like too much. And then they brought it back this spring. With some tweaks and people still don't like and, and people, no, people were upset because they thought it was the Legacy Cube when it was the Legendary Cube. <laughs> and that's, that's the cube we're talking about, the Legendary Cube. And the entire theme behind the Legendary Cube in the first go-around was it was going to be... Mo- the only creatures that were allowed were legendary creatures. And it was a really interesting experiment. Um, Until everybody, quote-unquote, broke the format by discovering that Captain Sisse is the well, literal Sisse, stone, stone nut card. No, 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 I mean, the best card in that cube was actually Maelstrom Wanderer. Oh, well. It's, just, it's just actually Maelstrom Wanderer is the best card in that cube. There were a few drafts that I did that I don't have saved where I literally had... Or where I was able to see, either either I was watching or I had Thraxamundar and Maelstrom Wanderer, and it's absurd. Um, but just, anyway, the Captain Sisse for one, like at home, it's it's way back from in the day. It's a two green white two two. I don't have the Oracle creature legend text on it, but I think she's a human oh, it's soldier. legendary legendary creature human soldier. Yeah, and it says tap search your 
library for legend for a legendary card, reveal that card and put it into your hand. It's a literal tutor for any card in your deck with the whole thing being every single creature is legendary. It meant you could tutor for any particular card in your deck that you wanted. Yeah. For for example, this is this is one of my legendary cube decks that did okay. Um also mana fixing was very plentiful in this format because a lot of the old legendaries are multiple colors. Um, and five color was actually probably one of the better decks anyways. But here was a deck that I had. I had Worldly Tutor, which is a single green instant. Search your library for a creature card, shuffle your library, and put that creature card on top. Cold Steel Heart, two mana artifact. Technically, it's a snow artifact, for whatever that's worth. It enters play tapped. You name a color, it taps for that color. Moss Diamond, two mana artifact, enters play tap, taps for green. Talisman of Progress, two mana artifact, taps for colorless. Or it's a blue-white pain land, kind of, because it taps for blue or, blue or white, and then it pings you. Oblivion Ring, which I think most Magic players know what it does. Council's Judgment, one white and white. Everybody votes for a permanent. Um, every It, it in, essentially says, I pick a card, exile that yeah. card. Uh, Omnath, Locus of Mana, two, two and a green for a legendary um, elemental. He's a 1-1, he's a one, one, but green mana does not empty out of your mana pool, and it gets plus one, plus one for each green mana in your mana pool. Song of Dryads, two and a green. It's an aura. It turns any permanent you want into a forest. Detention Sphere, one blue-white for a O-ring effect that gets all of a target-named card. Day of Destiny, which is legendary creatures get plus two, plus two as an artifact. It's an enchantment. Jazal Gold Mane, a four-mana, four-four with three white-white. Attacking creatures attacking creatures get plus X, plus X, where X is the number of attacking creatures you control. Oh, that's more from the commander stuff. It is from the commander stuff. Harmonize, two green-green, draw three cards as, as a sorcery. Brago King Eternal, two blue-white for a 2-4 flyer that when it hits an opponent, you get to blink any number of your non-land permanents. The aforementioned, which, is which is amazing. Yeah. The aforementioned Captain Sisse, Rafik of the Mini, one green-white-blue. He's a 3-3 three, three, uh, human, legendary human knight. He has Exalted, which whenever a creature attacks alone, he gets plus one, plus one. And then he has what Marshall Sutcliffe has recall, is called Super Exalted, where whenever a creature attacks alone, or whenever a creature attacks alone, it gains double strike. That's nuts. That's pretty nutty. Hedron Archive, which we should be familiar with. Same with Ugin's Insight. Arashi, the Sky Asunder. I forget his exact stats, but basically he can he can hurricane and kill a bunch of flyers whenever he wants. Sigarda, Host of Herons. Two green, white, white for a 5-4 flying hexproof, and you can't sack permanents. Hero's Podium, which is a 5-mana legendary artifact that each legendary creature you control gets plus one, plus one for each other legendary creature you control. And then you can pay X and tap it to look at the top X cards of your library, reveal a legendary card from among them, and put it into your hand. The rest go on the bottom. Acroma's Vengeance, four white, white, destroy all artifacts, creatures, and enchantments, as well as cycling, so you can it's discard and draw a card. Basically, the deck was ridiculous. I have a Sylvos. If, you play, if you've play, drafted Eternal Masters, you know what it does. And Elisnorn Grand Cenobite, because she's also, also hilarious. Ew. And Ew. I had a bunch of dual lands. Like, I had Castleform Pools, Canopy Vista, Hallowed Fountain, Hinterland Harbor, Cross and Verge, Savannah, Tundra, Windswept Teeth, and Wooded Bastion, and then a bunch of basics. Basically, you could just draft good stuff. And that's that's a lot the, of, kind of the TLDR of it, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah it's so disgusting. It is, it is a very, it was a very interesting cube for its time. Um, I didn't mind it too much. There are some people who just, like, really hated it, and I don't, uh, didn't understand why. I wonder why. <laughs> hey, that deck was John. fun. I didn't even tell you about my absent token list. No, sir. <laughs> stop while you're ahead here. Anyways, let's go ahead and talk about the legacy and the vintage cubes. Um, Ian, real quick, what is kind of the differentiation between the legacy cube and the vintage cube? So legacy cube obviously is going to pull from your legacy uh, card pool. It doesn't have the power. Um, it's curated a little bit differently from the Vintage Cube. I believe they removed... Oh, yeah, they removed the Mana Rocks, namely the Signets and other kind of ways to ramp and f get fast mana after... They, they, they had a couple iterations of it where it felt too much like the Vintage Cube. Um, we'll get into what the Vintage Cube can do in a second. Um, but basically, they wanted to differentiate it enough so there's like... No more mana rocks. That means your uh, power stone is gone. Power your gone. signets are gone. Uh, Basalt monolith is gone. Grim monolith is gone. Thran dynamo, I believe, is also out. Yep. Basically, anything that where you could, I mean, I think something like Hadron Archive would be okay because it's not an it's well, it's not an insane mana rock. We're talking like the ones where you could like 
pay two mana, get three mana out of it. Yeah. But it doesn't untap. But by that point, you can just start abusing the rest of your mana. And it's like, because we have other drafts where you're just like, I can play tap two mana, play this two drop artifact, then tap that for three mana, then pay a three mana artifact, and then tap that artifact, and pay two mana for another artifact, and then tap that, and then have the additional mana, pay for a four mana artifact. Yeah, That's yeah. one turn. I have seen that happen. Yeah, it's... And, it can get really can, silly. You, and, then, and then the next turn, you untap and play a 14 drop. And you're like, wait, what? Yeah, basically. Um, you're like, and you just literally hard cast Emrakul on turn five? It's like, yeah. what the heck? Yeah. Like, pe- people can do that. And that's in the Vintage Cube, which is hilarious. Because that has stuff like free, free mana rocks, like your mocks. Yeah. And other stuff like that. But There is uh, one no, card. Oh, no, go ahead. No, you can go. Okay, now, there, to be fair, the Vintage Cube it has the entire has all of magic at its disposal aside from a few cards like Shaharazad because nobody ever needs to play with it, that card ever again. It uses the obvi- it uses the ban list for each of the respective formats. Now there is one card that is legal in Vintage that they took out of the Vintage Cube uh, which was appraised by all which was Time Vault. Yes, because, because there yeah, there's a card called <laughs> Voltaic Key. Yeah, Voltaic Key. Which is an it's artifact. one mana artifact and you can pay one and tap it to untap another artifact. Time Vault is a two mana artifact that it comes into play tapped. In order to untap it normally, you have to skip your turn, and then you can tap it to take an extra turn. Now, Voltaic Key is the artifact card that can untap it, but there's also Ralzeric, which can let you untap permanents. There's Tezzeret the Seeker, which not only tutors for your Time Vault, but also can untap your Time Vault. Yeah, it, well, it, it also tutors for the, the Voltaic Key. It, tutor, it's, yeah. it literally com- tutors for your combo. And basically, basically, people started drafting as if they were going to get a Time Vault, and that deck was absurd. And I saw a turn one kill in in the legacy or in the vintage cube with time vault. It's it's stupid. It's gross. It's ridiculous. And if you're playing, if, all right. So if you're playing it, it's hilarious. If you're playing against it, you're just like, this is stupid. I just wasted tickets on this draft. Yeah. Or play points, either or. So for for the uh, for the play competitiveness and uh, sanity of players everywhere, uh, they removed that card to unbreak the actual cube itself, which I'm perfectly okay with. I know some yeah. people are like, how do, how do we need to fix this? Because the Vintage Cube it, uh, ended today uh, on Magic. No, no, no. It's, I think it's still up till Friday. Did it extend it? I believe so. I, I thought it's it went away. I, with... I, I kept hearing that it was gone today as well, but then I also heard that it was it kept going on. It was going to stay yeah, up until either, Friday. Either way, it's... It's, it's, it's not happening. long for this world. It's been happening. Um, when it comes out, it's literally probably one of the only things you will see people streaming on Twitch. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I streamed uh, some Legacy last week, and I, I, yeah, I finally got into Legacy. Uh, in fact, yay. But I had people joining my chat saying, I, I'm watching you. Like, this is cool. Like, hey, I've, I've heard of you. I've seen you in other chats. I didn't know you streamed, and I'm watching you stream because you are literally not cube. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the, the Twitch community kind of goes a little mad when the Vintage Cube comes out because uh, depending all- on who you are, depending on who you are, um, you draft certain decks. For example, if you if you watch Luis Scott Vargas stream or you watch any of his drafts, he drafts one of two decks or one of three decks really. He Always either drafts ten, ten drills. <laughs> he either drafts Storm, which is a really esoteric dra- deck to to be seen draft because it doesn't go it goes totally against what you're used to. Like if you have skills from doing a booster draft, some of them will translate into a cube, but the diff the big difference is that in a cube. You don't draft an archetype. You don't draft what's open. You draft a deck. And in Storm, you have to make some really weird first picks. Like you would first pick a Seething Song. Or you would first pick, you know, your Moxin as you normally would. Or a Time Twister or whatever. And then you just get a Brain Freeze. Or you get a Tendrils of Agony at some point. And then you just make people cry. Um, <laughs> it's it's bad. I, I'm used to this because I play Storm normally. I can't draft Storm to save my life, however. <laughs> So, so let me tell you, kids, about drafting the Storm deck Vintage Cube <laughs> and streaming it. Please, please oh, tell the story. Boy. So I don't have any of my cube drafts up for this. Um, they've been long lost to the Twitch archives. So I've been known from time to time to do a 24-hour stream. Now, I can tell you from experience, it is a absolutely terrible, no good, very bad idea to draft a to let the chat talk you into drafting Storm because it was actually open at my seat um, when you've been awake for 22 hours. It was hour 21 of my stream. And you obviously got to wake up an hour before your stream to get everything prepped and ready to go. You don't just roll out of bed, go 
broadcast. I mean, you could, but that's that's just stupid planning. Yeah. Um, for 24 hours anyway. So I was like, I've been up for 21 hours, and how my body works is my everyone. If you've ever tried staying up for 24 hours, you know you have. Everyone has that like period where you just start you hit the wall and you fall off, um, like of being awake, and you're just like, oh my god, I need sleep. But then if you like wait an hour or two, you're like, let's freaking do this, man. You don't even need coffee or anything like that. Yeah. At that point, you're just like, you hit your second wind. My dead zone is 21 to 23 hours. Yeah. Between 21 and 23 hours, if I don't get sleep in that time, I will be awake until 30 hours. <laughs> <laughs> I know how my body operates. And that is exactly what happened. I started drafting the, the storm deck right when I did. Um, now, one of the key components of a storm deck is when you get all this infinite mana and, and all these crazy combos is there's a card called infernal tutor which is one in a black and um you look at your library put a card on top of your library no no infernal oh. no infernal tutor is one in the black you okay. reveal your hand oh, you reveal your and hand. then you go grab a card that's in your hand but oh. it has the mechanic hellbent that if you have no cards in hand then right. you can go exactly. grab any card you want right so you go any card and put in your hand the th- so how this works is you have Lion's Eye Diamond. Which is a zero mana artifact that it does the Black Lotus thing where you sack it and then you add three mana to your mana pool of any one color. It quote unquote fixed Black Lotus by this second clause. But yet, that you have to pitch your hand as well. Yeah. So that's the drawback. However, in some decks, they want to pitch their hand. Like with Infernal um, Tutor. Yes. So how on Magic Online, it, so this is one of those where Magic is Magic Online doesn't quite equate to paper of you have to hit control when you cast Infernal Tutor because what that does is that does not let that spell resolve, but you still hold priority. So it lets you take an action. So you cast the spell. It's sitting there. You then sacrifice your Lion's Eye Diamond, put three mana into your mana pool, and discard your hand. Then you let, once that has resolved, then you let go control, let Infernal Tutor resolve. It'll then see your hellbent, and you can grab any card you want, and you have three mana sitting in your mana pool. I was awake, you know, like you were you in do. the dead zone. I was in the dead zone, and it was about hour twenty-two and a half, twenty-three at this point. Yeah, it was like a round or two in, and I sat in chat. I'm like, okay, chat, I'm I'm just done right now mentally. I need to make sure this is what I do. I control cast tutor, crack the lion's eye diamond. Let the diamond lines I diamond resolve. Let the tutor resolve. I get it in my hand, right? And I went on like a minute or two with the chat, just like this is how I do this, correct? And they're like, yes. So then I go, okay, control crack lines I diamond. I was no. like, and then chat just goes, no, punt, 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 and I'm like, shame concede. <laughs> Basically, yeah. I also was remembering when I was coming back from work too. I was talking to John earlier about that. I remember that's what it was. Um, there was another time where I was going off with storm count and somehow miscounted exactly how much mana I needed to tendrils off. So it's the the the, the key, I guess you can call it payload card of what you win with storm is called tendrils of agony. It's two black black. Yep, two black black. It's, it's black it's black sorcery. For sorcery that says um, it has storm count and it deals two damage to target creature or no, 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 no. if target opponent loses two life and you gain two life. Right, right. We actually right. mentioned this in the storm episode. Right, right, when I talked about storm, deal. yeah, right. So it doesn't deal. So it does, yeah. Lose yeah, it's, it's just drain life. It is not damage. Right, right. So it drains life, which is nice because it gets around damage effects. Um, so anyway, you want to get your storm count probably in cube. You want it around eight well, or nine. Well, you want to get you want to get to ten so that you can tendrils them for twenty. Well, right. You want to get so it's just tendrils. Exactly. <laughs> um, but no. Uh, usually, you're going to be casting it for nine. You want at least storm count of nine because your opponent um, will probably have used a fetch land or two. Depending, or you, yeah. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, usually that might be the case. But anyway, uh, I miscounted my mana and tapped it and clicked it and used it wrong. So I only had one black mana and, like, two red and a blue. And they're like, I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I had used Yawgmoth's Will to already cast my, uh, to recast my, uh, Dark Ritual. Yeah. So I didn't have any way to generate an extra black mana, and I'd accidentally clicked out of the two requirement black mana for it, and I was like, oh, it fizzles. I let the turn resolve, and I just shame can see it. My opponent comes back in the next game. is like, you, you misclicked, right? I'm like, yeah. Yeah. I've been up for 23 hours. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. 
Storm but, is just one of those really hard decks to pilot, even in 60-card formats. Um, but anyways, so LSV will draft, he'll draft Storm. He'll draft these big blue-red decks that use, like, Wildfire and Burning Ingenier to get it, to deal with the board and deal with their opponent's mana issues, and then kill you with big flyers or big dudes or whatever. Or he'll draft the Mono Green deck, which is... You draft a bunch of mana dorks, and you get something like uh, Natural Order, and then you get a big ramp target, like a Cradle Hoof Behemoth, or maybe an Ulamog, or Emrakul, or whatever. Or you get lucky, Wolf and you get Primus. Channel. Wolf of Primus, yeah. Or you get Channel, and make your life totally simple. Where Channel <laughs> is... Go ahead. <laughs> channel Emrakul. Channel Emrakul. Channel is green-green for a sorcery, and then you can basically convert life into colorless mana. So if you cast a turn 2 Channel, and you're at 20 life, you can pay 15 life and cast an Emrakul. It's yep. fine. It's balanced magic. <laughs> There's a reason, like, Elsevier was actually telling the story about this on stream the other night, where he originally meant to go get the, he played, he, he did the, the channel Emrakul um, combo, and then at one point, somebody jumped in, grabbed the URL, yeah, uh, the web address, channelemrakul.com, because spoof of channel fireball, which was a two-spell combo using channel. Um, but <laughs> they, yeah. uh, yeah, so they basically uh, messed him out of this, and apparently it led to a site that just would put a whole bunch of viruses on your computer, and then yeah. they let it lapse, and then some benevolent person in, from his chat snapped it up when it lapsed after the year, and <laughs> it now redirects to twitch.tv slash LSV. Which is, which is a nice little gift to give to, to the streamers in your life. Um, no, but um, Doc, will lo- Doc loves drafting the upheaval decks. Yeah, there's upheaval, which is four blue-blue, return all permanents to their owner's hands, which is not a balanced card, because you never... You always... You draft the mana rocks, and then you can replay it, and whatever. Um, Doc also can't... Is, it is impossible if you're in the past recurring nightmare. <laughs> which is another card that's really that's really really difficult to deal with in cube because you have all these value creatures. Because yeah. recurring nightmare says it's three and a black from an enchantment or two and a black from an enchantment. You can sack a creature you control and return recurring nightmare to your hand to put a creature from your graveyard into play. Yep. And then you can just pay two and a black and keep doing this over and over again because it's a recurring nightmare. Get it? Um, nah. And you just, have, you just have all these value creatures or creatures that make tokens or whatever. Oh, you can only do it as a sorcery as well. That's that's big. You know, it's um, also fun. What? Persist creatures. Persist creatures as well, yeah. Like Kitchen Finks or so on. Um, now, I have drafted some decks in the Legacy and the Vintage Cube before, but I've really oh, found my wheelhouse well, now. Well, well, I just want to mention someone else. Before. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, oh, go ahead. Nice Kenji, red is always open. Oh, yeah. For Kenji, red's always open, or he just drafts Mono Brown, which is all the mana rocks ever. Because yep. he can never pass Coalition Relic. So, so the <laughs> never passing Coalition Relic. So, the reason why I mentioned the Mono Red with Kenji is because John is a monster i i'm i'm a terrible person and i totally admit that because i draft white weenie on the cube because uh mono red is a known archetype and mono red do- isn't always open because a lot of the red cards that you want in the mono red deck like lightning bolt chain lightning or searing spear get picked up by the red control decks in the format yeah it's like your jeskai deck or anyone yeah. anyone playing red is going to be like ooh, lightning bolt exactly like so the, the mono red deck will rely heavily on creatures like hell rider goblin guide Ooh, piece of candy. Yeah, ooh, piece of candy. Um, whereas for me, um, I found that White Weenie tends to be open a lot in both of these cues because a lot of the cards that you want for White Weenie, you don't really want anywhere else. Um, and if you're on Twitter and you should, if you don't already follow Ian and I, you should because um, we had a little exchange discourse um, discourse about my my vintage cube deck that I that I played last night and I you're a monster and I played it. It was a Swiss and I and I and I three owed with it because it was a really fun deck. Um, real quick, it's 15 lands with a Caracas and Rashadon port, and I also got Mox Pearl, which was passed to me second pick in pack two with a Mox Jet still in it. <laughs> it's okay was though. there like a Soul Ring in the deck pack or something? Crap. No, no, no. I'll, I'll let you know because I had Kithian, Hero of Akros, Mardu Woe Reaper, Mother of Runes, Soldier of the Pantheon, Student of Warfare, my pack two pick one of Soul Ring, which is not a good card in this deck, but it's hilarious. Manatithe, Declaration in Stone, Seeker of the Way, Soulfire Grandmaster, Stoneforge Mystic, Thalia Garden of Thraben, War Priest of Thud, Lean and Relic Warder, Vryn Wingmare, Banisher Priest, Fiend Hunter, Mirren Crusader, Silverblade Paladin, Sword of Fire and Ice, Armageddon, Restoration Angel, Linvala Keeper of Silence, and Spectral Procession. Literally annoying dot deck. I, what I want to do in this in Vintage Cube is tax your stuff and make you play a fair game of Magic and not try to go off on turn three or whatever. Now, nobody, nobody ever expects Manatithe. 
Nobody ever expects Mana Tithe. Oh, man. Last night I got to Mana... So I had a Thalia in play, which makes non-creature spells cost one more. Um, And my opponent cast a five mana Damnation. And then I Mana Tithed it. It was was great. (laughs) How's that six mana? Oh, you can't cast it. It was fantastic. Now... How's your tax taste? What up? Basically. Um... But I have also drafted White Weenie in Legacy Cube. In Legacy Cube, it, it looks very similar. It's going to look the same no matter how you look at it because it's, it's just going to be playing a lot of the same cards. You just lose out on the power level. You, don't, you lose the mana rocks, basically. You lose the mana rocks. Now it. You, you kind of have to look at, at your, your creature base a little bit differently because when I draft Mono White, I don't want anything above four. And if, it, and if it's above four, I need to be able to cast it for less than four. And I really only want like three to four four drops, period. Um, for example, I'm looking at one of my Legacy Cube decks, which uh, I think this one did really. It, this was an eight four, and I think this one did pretty okay. Um, my four drops and up are Ravages of War, which is an Armageddon, Elspeth Knight Errant, which is a Planeswalker, Hero of Bladehold, which is just an absurd magic card in general, mm-hmm. Exalted Angel, which has Morph, and you can unmorph it for four mana, and then Spectral Procession, which is it has it's a six CMC spell, but you can cast it for triple white. So. When I draft this deck, I draft, you know, the one drops, the two drops, and the three drops. Those are really where the core is. And then you get a powerful four drop or two, like Sublime Archangel, Elspeth Knight Errant. You can sometimes run fives. Like, I've ran Archangel of Thune or Cloudgirt Ranger in the deck before. It's and never been if, great. And then but... if you somehow get past the Skull Clamp, you just have a personal moment where you're yeah. just like, yes. I'm looking at another another White Weenie deck that I drafted where I have my, my fours and up are Ravages of War, Restoration Angel, Gideon Ally of Zendikar, Sublime Archangel, and Karmic Guide. So, John, tell me how good Armageddon is in, this, in, in these decks. Oh, Armageddon's so good. Like, okay, so the reason why Armageddon is a good magic card is because you get is you want to get ahead early, and then you cast Armageddon to make your opponent miserable. Um, so what I like to what you want to do in this deck is you want to go one drop, two drop, three drop Armageddon, or some variation thereof where you're ahead on board. Um, and it works wonders when you have cards like Banisher Priest and Fiend Hunter, where you tell people to get in the bag, and then you cast Armageddon, and then they're just kind of not great. Get it's, in the bag. It's, bye it's, bye mana. It's, now Ravages and Armageddon are worse in Vintage Cube and Powered Cubes because of all the mana rocks that are available. It, but they're still just so good. Like I have stranded people on a Signet before. <laughs> it's just fantastic. It's just amazing Ooh, that, to those, do so. Those poor souls. Yep. And then you could just play around it because like you don't you're not you're not running that many lands to begin with. Like I, there's only one of the decks that I was looking at in my White Weenie decks that ran 17 lands. They all run like 15 to 16 lands. Um, because you, you cap out at four and it's just, it's just really fun and it's a really fun deck. And I would love to be able to stream it at some point, but a, my computer sucks. Um, and B people would think I'm a monster. Like my co-host here who said, Hey, I'm a monster. I mean, we, you could always proxy stream. <laughs> there's, there's such thing as Skype and, you know, you could always have forced me to, bar- hold I tried, I, I, I tried to donate to doc to force him to draft it, but he doesn't do that anymore. My mouth while I say this. <laughs> anyways <laughs> anyways um those are the main mo- magic online cubes now there are also personal cubes that people can have like for example if you follow us on twitter you'll notice that i put up the daily cube draft or the daily cube packs and those are from my personal cube and i've been updating it recently with um with eldritch moon cards for example tamio field researcher is now in the cube and i'm really excited to see how she'll do um, she's good. She's great. I also recently put in Ulamog the Ceaseless Hunger, which is probably overdue. But yeah. uh, another personal cube that's very popular is um, the Stibs. Um, Adam Staborski is a former editor at Gathering Magic and is currently working with TCG Player. And he has a Popper cube, which he curates. Yes. And this particular uh, cube he does, like I said, it's Popper, so. As you know, that is the mono common thing. Uh, every time a new set comes out, he will look at his cube. He will go straight to the commons in the set. And like people who are interested in the actual popper constructed format, he just looks and says, okay, what in here in this set is better or could replace what I already have? And he cu- he's curated this uh, cube for years and years and years. Um, I know... James from Loading Ready Run has a version of Stibbs' cube almost all foiled out at this point. Like, Yeah, they streamed a, it uh, a month or so ago. Yeah, there's a couple cards that aren't foil, but those are the ones that are like, hi, I'm a foil card that's like $60, $70 for a common. And you're like... Cough brainstorm. Basically. 
Yeah. Um, fortunately, now he has foil ways to get uh, Hydro Blast and Pyro Blast from Eternal yeah. Masters. Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, so it, anyway, like he'll he'll go through and like every time there's a thing like I'm looking at an article right now for his Eternal Masters Cube update, he'll go through each color and say like why a card is replacing another card. Like for his Eternal Masters update, Thraben Inspector replaced Daru Lancer. Now, Daru Lancer is four white white for a three four first striking with morph, and the morph cost was two white white. So I mean, whatever. But Thraben Inspector is Thraben Inspector, and Thraben Inspector is good. Yeah, Thraven Inspector turns out very good magic card. Um, and yeah, but the thing is that these are only two styles of keys. Like, I ha- I model my cube very heavily after the Legacy cube because I'm, I'm not that well-versed at cube design. And I would love to be able to get probably do a, a more in-depth cube episode uh, later on down the road. Um, but you can have any type of cube you want. For example, I've heard story of a mono green cube. That sounds weird. It, it probably is. Um, but you can do whatever you want with a cube because it's your cube and you can have whatever archetypes you want in it. You can include whatever cards you want. You have that one pet card that you just can't find a home for. You can put it in a cube that you have. Yeah, what's really cool about these cubes is there are actual huge, massive database websites out there. One of the, probably the most popular one is called is CubeTutor.com. Yes, and you can go through, see like what... Um, you know, what kind of particular cubes people have already made. If you're like, okay, I've got... Now, John, cube, how big is your cube? Uh, mine is a 540-card cube. Okay, so that's usually the medium size. Yeah. Average cube size you'll see is about 540 cards. Um, you could be sitting at 500 cards, and like, you'd be like, you know, for the life of me, I had this huge gap in magic where I missed a bunch of these older blocks. I have no idea what I could put in there. You could go check out some other people's cubes and see, okay, just you'll scroll through their lists and see, hey, you might find a hidden gem. You're like, wow, that car would be great with this particular other thing I've already had going on in my cube. And it's really cool. Um, people love commenting on certain cubes. So like I said, Adam's uh, Popper Cube is one of probably the most popular uh, shared cube experiences mm-hmm. out there just because it's pauper it's relatively cheap and yeah. expensive uh, to put together i mean obviously you're buying 540 plus cards so it's not going to be like well the, the, go the smallest cube size is 360 that way you have enough cards for eight people to have three packs of 15 yeah so people that's the, use, that's like the bare minimum yeah we should kind of touch on that a little bit but basically why people will go 540 is that allows you you know you get like a 10 person queue going or what it really helps is that you don't see the same cards every draft. Like the Magic Online Legacy and Vintage Cubes, I think there are, there are upwards of 700 cards in it. Um, just like it's it's more than 720, and but yeah, so but that you're, you're not guaranteed gonna, to see yeah, everything. You're gonna, yeah, you're going to see. There might be a draft where you don't get all the fetch lands in there. There might be a draft where you see Pestermite, Deceiver Exarch, but you never see Kiki G Cure Splinter Twin, and it's not in the queue. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh man, someone else must have drafted it. And then you're like, probably no. No, it's in, the, it's in the box. It's in the bag. It's literally in the box. Um, but yeah, but that's it's, the it's, cube. It's thing. It's one of these days I'd like to build a cube. I, just, I literally just have no idea where I'd even start, and I'd just rather go play other people's cubes. I know I've gotten uh, invitations to go for some groups and play some cubes, but it's one of those I have to actually travel there, and it's like, man. Yeah, exactly. I need a weekend. It's it's a, it, it'd be something like if you know someone had a party or whatever like that, and it was on a weekend. I'd be like, "Yo, cube for the day? Heck yeah, man!" Yeah, but exactly. They're a lot. If, they're a lot of fun. It's also a good place to see some cards that maybe had their heyday. For example, Deranged Tournament does not see play in Legacy, but it sees play in cubes because it's oh, really it's good there. So good in cube. So good in cube. It's also good with mm-hmm. Opposition, which is another really crazy cube card. God, the Oppo lock is so real. Yeah, it's so real. Anyways. That's going to do it for us. We we already went a little over, which is fine, you know. Like you do. Like we do. Anyways, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, Ian, if people wanted to find you on social media, like we mentioned earlier, where can they find you? Well, you can find me on Twitch, where I'll stream sometimes. And I actually didn't stream any cube. I, I kind of pat myself on the back on that one. I'm like, yeah, I'll pass <laughs> on this cube for this time. Because I just watched so many other people stream it. But anyway, you can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash dicks. Um, if you guys are listening to this on like Thursday or Friday, uh, this Saturday on the 30th, I am streaming probably around noon. Um, I'll announce it on my Twitter, which I'll get to in a second. I'm building a PC. So if that kind of thing interests you, it's not going to be a Magic stream. I will probably stream Magic this weekend as well, on Friday or whatever. Maybe I mean, the Elder Swim pre-release is on Moto this weekend. Just FYI, oh, guys. Oh, crap. 
that's right. Yep, I'm definitely streaming this weekend. Early on Friday. Yeah, I'm probably streaming Friday as well. But okay. Saturday, I'm building a PC if that kind of thing interests you. Check me out there. Like I said, I'll announce it on my Twitter, which is twitter.com slash dixonij. That's D-I-X-O-N-I-J. Uh, follow me there. I'll be making announcements on when I stream. I'm going to try and, I'm trying to get more of a regular stream schedule together, but... We'll see how it goes. Anyway, John, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at jwiley129. I'm also on Twitch by that same handle. So if you see me in chats, don't don't be afraid to say hi. If you want to reach the podcast directly, you can find us on Twitter at Eyes and the Mize, or if you have any more personal questions, send us an email at eyesandthemize at gmail.com. Please remember to leave us a review. We love to hear your feedback, whether it is on iTunes or your own podcast app or experience, or if you just want to shoot us pod- feedback directly on Twitter, please do so because we will give shout-outs to any reviews we see on iTunes at the top of the show. Yep. Thank, thank you all for tuning in, and we will talk to you all next time.